Come on, get your hands together, everybody. Through you, I can do anything. I can do all things. Cause it's you that gives me strength. Nothing is impossible. Through you, blind eyes are open. Strongholds are broken. I'm living by faith. I'm not gonna live by what I feel. Deep down, I know that you're here with me. I know that you can do anything. Through you, I can do anything. I can do all things. Cause it's you that gives me strength.
Amen. Why don't you go ahead and have a seat for a second? Here's what's going to happen tonight. First of all, 73 children this weekend gave their lives to Jesus Christ. Come on. 91 adults. And there's over 40 waiting to be baptized tonight. Just adults. We're saving the children for the weekend. So that's worth, I mean, giving God a shout about. It says in the Bible, one sinner repents. One, the angels of heaven begin to party. And so we're going to have a celebration in here for the next 20 minutes or so. We're going to worship right back here. There's going to be baptisms. And uh, I, you ever been to graduations? I mean, when your kid's going, man, you're standing up, you're cheering, you're whistling, you're yelling because that's your boy or that's your girl. I'm telling you, don't be afraid to stand up if you see somebody you know up on the screens. Man, cheer for him. Thank God. Praise him. Believe for the rest of the members of your family. But tonight, not just the baptisms and the celebration and the worship, but what are you believing for? We just sang a song. We got a, a God that nothing is impossible. If you're sick in your body, if the doctors have said there's no hope, I'm telling you, there's hope here tonight. Yeah, right. We're going to see miracles tonight. We're going to see healing, just whatever's needed. I'm telling you, these are, this is revival when people give their lives to Christ. This is one of the greatest miracles we can ever experience that I experienced when God changed my life. And so let's begin to bring them out. And we're just going to worship as they're bab being baptized. If you see a family member want to come up on the stage and get a picture or take one on the screen, you can come up and come back down. That's fine. But we're just going to crank it right up right here. So just worship. Go ahead. Go for it. Go ahead. Amen. Are you ready? All right, come on. Let's, let's go ahead and stand to our feet. Let's worship God together. Here we go. Get your hands together. How many here believe our God saves? Amen? Let me hear you shout to the Lord. How many believe our God is a saving God? In the name of the Father. In the name of the Father. In the name of the Son. In the name of the Spirit. Lord, we come. We're gathered together to lift up your name. To call on our Savior, gonna fall on your grace. Hear the joyful sounds of our offering. As your saints bow down, as your people sing, we will rise with you, lifted on your wings, and the world will see that.
The fall on your face Hear the joyful sounds of our offering As your saints bow down As your people sing We will rise with you Let's get on your way And the world will see Everybody in this place. Isn't it amazing what's going on right behind us? I said, isn't it amazing what's going on right behind us? Ah, oh, Jesus, we love you. We love you. Come on, get those hands up. Get your mouth open. 
The Bible says to give voice of praise on the inside of your heart tonight. Come on, somebody thank God for what he's doing. Somebody thank God for what he's doing. Ah, Jesus. Ah, Jesus. Sing this with me. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Come on, y'all. That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Come on, why don't you lift your hands and sing that with me. That's your testimony. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Come on, church. That saved. A wretch like me, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, was blind, but now I see my chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior, has ransomed me, and like a blessed, His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace. My chains are gone, my chains are gone. has promised good to me the Lord has promised good to me his word my hope secures he will my shield and portion me as long as life in somebody testify my chains are gone i've been set free my god my savior has ransomed me and like a blessed his mercy Amen. 
Messiah, 
in the presence of God, what he's done this weekend, and then just start saying thank you. Just thank him for what, just thank him, just thank him for things. Thank you for family members that are going to get saved that haven't got saved yet. Amen? I mean, me and my whole household are going to be saved. Amen? And that healing you're believing for, we're going to believe that to manifest tonight in Jesus' name, whatever it is. But just give God thanks. Just give him one more round of applause. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, again, I believe there was 78 children, 91 adults, over 40 getting baptized tonight. Amen. That's worthy of giving God glory. But just again, thanks. I mean, you know, Ken's been helping us here with worship, part of the Discover Joy team with Scott and his team coming, and they traveled all over the world. All over. Where were you just at last? Russia. And where are you going next? To go into the crypt? Is that the one you wanted me to go with you on? Amen. Hallelujah. We've got a team in Haiti right now doing ministry, but I'm telling you, going to Cuba. That's a big one right there. Amen. But here's what we want to do. We want to take an offering right now and just bless the man of God, his team, and let your offering just, I mean, we can all do something, you know, just do something, whatever the Lord prompts in your heart, but I'd encourage you to get something out. I mean, even you teenagers, you get a dollar something just where you see. You want to be a part of this ministry. This is a chance to be a part of a ministry that goes all over the world, a chance to be a part of these salvations you saw today. Because, you know, the sad thing, it takes money to reach people. But thank God, 
We're reaching people. Amen. So just prayerfully, uh, they got these offering envelopes around. You're welcome to use those. And just write on there. You can use one of our envelopes if you need to. But just write in there, Scott Camp. Write Scott. Write Friend Day. Whatever it is, you might need to use a debit machine tonight. And you can write on that slip and just make sure you, you specify Scott or Friend Day and drop in that box back there. We'll make sure we cover his expenses. And we want to really bless them. And the last missionary was here. We sent enough for them to actually build their children's ministry building. And so I just thank God for giving church a heart that invited people this weekend. Amen? Because if you don't invite them, they're not going to get saved. we got two more weeks where people are very, very sensitive to the Spirit of God. It's called Easter. And so we've got invites. Take those with you. Invite people. Uh, I'll be preaching the next two weeks. Keep Pastor John in prayer, okay? Pastor John's on a sabbatical. We're praying he gets rested. But these next two weeks, it's no, no reason it shouldn't continue. And continue to have baptisms and salvations leading right up to Easter. We're believing for 1,500 people here over the Easter weekend. We had over 1,200 here this weekend. Amen. So go ahead. We're going to worship just a song. Take your time. Uh, you know, do an offering. Pray for them. Make it, ask the Holy Spirit to remind you to pray for this ministry too. But otherwise, the ushers, you begin to come forth, wait on the people. Let's worship. We're going to get right into some great word and ministry. It's going to be a powerful testimony you're going to hear tonight. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way, sing Jesus is, Jesus is the answer for the world today, above him there's no other, oh Jesus is the way, Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other Jesus is the way Above him there's no other Above him there's no other Jesus is the way Oh man, what a great time it's been and a great weekend. Thank you for letting us be here. Let me have all the house lights on if you would please. And I want us all to stand together all over the building. If you just stand up. Teenagers, I'm so proud of you. Look at all these young people. Let's give the Lord a hand for these guys. Man, thanks for being here tonight. And uh, I believe that you're here for a purpose. You say, Scott, I'm here because some friends came by and grabbed me and brought me here. Well, God has a purpose for you being here. So here's what I want us to do tonight. Young people, look right here. Don't talk to anybody around you. I'm going to ask you tonight that you listen like you've never listened to anything before in your life. And I'm going to ask you not to talk to anybody, don't touch anybody. And here's the deal I want to make with you. If you don't feel like you can do that, then while we're praying, I'm going to pray for everybody. I just want to invite you. You can just slip out. That's cool. Nobody will say anything to you. But if you stay... It's going to be with the understanding that for the next few moments, 
you give God a chance. That's all God asks for, man. Just a chance. Because if what I have to say to you tonight is really true, then it's the most important thing you'll ever hear in your whole life. And it's not because of me, because I'm not very important at all. But what I have to say tonight is incredibly important. And so I'm so grateful that you're here. And I know everybody feels that way. We just thank God for you. But if you don't feel like that you're going to be able to really listen, then that's cool. I just thank you that you came tonight and you're free just to slip out. But if you stay, what you're saying is, I'm going to listen to what you have to say. I'm going to give God a chance to speak to my heart and speak to my life. Is that a fair deal? All right? All right. Let's bow our head and close our eyes all over the place. How many of you would say, Scott, I have a friend here tonight that needs God. I got a co-worker, I got a family member, I got a teammate, I got somebody that I really care about. And I'm not judging them and I'm not any better than them, but as far as I know, my friend doesn't really know Jesus. And Scott, I'm concerned about my friend, about where they're going to spend eternity. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and hold it there for just a moment all over the place. Father, you see every hand. And Lord, I pray for every person that's represented tonight. Lord, I pray that you would do what only you can do. Father, you've already done it almost 200 times this weekend. I pray that you would make yourself real. And Father, that beyond my voice and beyond anything I would have to say, that you would speak powerfully to people in this place. God do it change lives and then I pray for all of us in this church tonight God I pray that you would give us your heart for people who don't know you God help us to love people Lord not to love people just the ones that are the same as us or the same color as we are or come from the same kind of neighborhoods that we come from help us to love everybody Lord help us father to have the heart of Jesus for the lost so that the lost might be found in Jesus name and everybody said amen and amen give the Lord a hand of praise and you may be seated God bless you I want you to take your Bible tonight and turn to Luke's gospel Luke chapter number 15 now some of you might not have a Bible tonight and that's all right maybe you could look on with someone who's sitting around you or maybe you've got a Bible on your phone because I want everybody to see the words that came from the lips of Jesus. You know, it's not so much what a preacher has to say, but when Jesus speaks, he deserves to be listened to. Luke chapter number 15 and verse number 1. Look what the Bible says, Luke chapter 15 and verse number 1. Then drew near to him all the publicans and sinners because they wanted to hear him. Now, everybody look right up here for just a moment. Listen, watch this. Jesus loves sinners. Hello? Is this on? Amen. Let me say it again. Jesus loves sinners. Amen? He loves sinners. And I'll tell you this, sinners love Jesus. And you know, lost people, people who the Bible describes here as publicans, tax collectors, people who are despised by the majority of the population, the marginalized and sinners. It could have been talking about prostitutes or drunks or whatever. Did you know those people always wanted to be around Jesus? 
Matter of fact, Jesus was kind of a magnet for these kinds of people. You know, I've noticed, I've been in the ministry full-time for 34 years, and did you know I've never had a hard time with sinners? There's never been a prostitute, a drug addict, a gangbanger, or a, any kind of lost person that's ever given me a hard time. Matter of fact, I've been treated better in some bars that I've been into telling people about Jesus than in some churches that I've preached at. So it's never sinners that gave Jesus a hard time, and it's never sinners that have ever given me a hard time. The only people that ever gave Jesus a hard time were religious people. And every time Jesus showed up to preach, there would be sinners because they would be drawn to him, people from the margins of the life and out of the shadows of the culture they would come, and they wanted to be around Jesus because he, he wasn't like. He wasn't like most of the rabbis who were uptight and full of rules and ceremonies and rituals. Jesus just told stories that everybody could understand, and because of that, sinners gravitated toward him because, listen, because all of us have a longing to know God. All of us, all people everywhere, they want to know God. And so there's a spiritual dimension to every person. And when these people heard Jesus talking and they saw how he interacted and treated people, whether they were prostitutes or whether they were snotty-nosed kids that the disciples didn't have time for, or whether women caught in adultery or whether rich guys up a tree without any answers to life, every sinner loved to hear Jesus. And then every time Jesus would show up, religious people would come. The Bible calls them the scribes and the Pharisees. I call them the scabs and the parasites. Amen. I mean, they were always there bugging Jesus. They never came to be blessed because they felt like they were above everybody else. They never came to learn anything because they felt like they had God all figured out. All their theological I's were dotted. All their theological T's were crossed. And they built monuments to what God did in the past. They were always talking about what God did in the past. But they resisted what God wanted to do in the present in the person of Jesus. And so they didn't come to get blessed. They didn't come to learn. They didn't come to hear. They didn't come to see the kingdom of God breaking into time and space. In the person of Jesus, they came to gripe and bellyache and murmur and complain. And so in Luke chapter 15, the Bible says, here's Jesus, and all around him are sinners. And look at verse number 2. It says, and the Pharisees and scribes, the parasites and the scabs, murmured. They complained. And they said, can you believe this guy? This guy receives sinners. He hangs out with sinners, and he even eats with them, breaking all of our customs and all of our rules and all of our religious forms and ceremonies. And when Jesus heard that, he decided to tell them a story. And here's the story. He said, when one of you, or which one of you, having a hundred sheep, if you lose one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he find it. Everybody say lost and found. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors and says to them, let's have a party. Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. 
And I say to you, likewise, joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents more than over 99 righteous, self-righteous scabs and parasites and religious people which feel that they need no repentance. Then he tells them another part of the story. He says, or what if a woman had 10 pieces of silver? And if she lost one of the pieces, does she not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me because I have found the piece that I had lost. Everybody say, lost and found. Likewise... I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. And then he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his daddy, daddy, give me the portion of goods that belongs to me. And so he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the young son gathered everything together and took a journey into a far away country. And there he began to waste his livelihood with riotous living. And when he had spent everything his daddy had given him, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And when he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him in into the fields to feed the pigs and he would have filled his belly with the pig slop that the swine did eat but no one gave anything to him to eat and when he came to himself he said how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare and I'm starving to death here's what I'm going to do look at verse 18 I'm going to get up and go home to my daddy and I'm going to say to him father I have sinned against heaven and before you I'm not worthy to be called your son just make me one of your hired servants and so he arose and came to his father but when he was yet a great way off his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed his son and the son said to his father dad I, I've sinned against you I, I, I've sinned in your sight I'm not worthy to be called your son but the father said to his servants bring the best robe and put it on him and bring a ring and put it on his hand bring some shoes and put them on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it let's have a party let's eat and be merry because this my son was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found and they began to be merry now there was another brother and this is the real message of the story there was an older brother who was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard all the music and the dancing and the partying. And he called one of the servants and asked, what, what's going on? And the servant said, hey, your brothers come home and your fathers killed the fatted calf. They're having a big dinner because he has received him safe and sound. And the older brother was angry. And he wouldn't go in to the party. And so the father came out and entreated him, pleaded with him. And, and he said to his dad, all these years I've been with you. I've been serving you. I never have transgressed at any time your commandments. And yet you never gave me a goat so that I could have a party with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came back home, which devoured your living with whores, you've killed for him the fatted calf. And, said unto, and he said unto him, son, 
Son, don't you understand? You are always here with me, and all that I have is yours. But it was right for me to make merry and have a party and be glad because this your brother was dead, and now he's alive again, and he was lost, and now he's found. Everybody say lost and found. Now, what is Jesus trying to tell us in this story? Can I just mention several things? Listen very carefully. The first thing he's trying to say is this, that people are valuable. People are valuable. You know you're important to God. It doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter where you've been. doesn't matter what color your skin is. doesn't matter how much money your parents make. doesn't matter what kind of job you have or where you've come through and from in life. Listen to me. You are valuable to God. That's why Jesus talked about a sheep that got lost. In these days, the shepherds did not ordinarily own their own sheep. They worked for a big landowner who had a lot of sheep and a lot of shepherds, and the shepherds were responsible for the physical welfare of the sheep that were allotted to them. And unless a devourer, an animal of prey, came and killed the sheep and ate it, that shepherd, listen, uh, if he allowed a sheep to get lost, he was, he was financially responsible to the owner for the loss of that sheep and that could be up to a year's worth of wages and so when one of the sheep that he was allotted he had a hundred sheep and when he was counting one day one two three four five six ninety eight ninety nine where's number one hundred it would have been easy for him to say, man, that's no big deal. I don't know what happened, but I got 99 more. And it, that, that sheep's not that big a deal, but he didn't do that. Listen, that sheep was so valuable to him that he left the other 99 with some under shepherds and he went into the wilderness and risked his own life from the predators and the bandits. And he searched and he searched and he searched through high and low until he found that sheep. And when he found that sheep, he brought it back and had a party and said that which was lost is now found you know why because that sheep was valuable to that shepherd when the lady lost one of her silver coins this wasn't just like losing a dime this was one of 10 silver coins that was given to her by her father as a dowry they usually wore it on a kind of headband and it was a very important and very precious thing to that woman matter of fact it was given as a dowry just in case her husband would die or her husband divorced her or something went wrong in the marriage so that she would not be left totally destitute and so when she looked at her headband and she counted those silver coins and she found one was missing she swept she lit a candle she began to search everywhere in her house until she found that silver piece you know why because that piece was valuable but this story is not about sheep and it's not about coins it's really about people you see to God you are valuable did you know the value of something is determined by the cost that somebody is willing to pay for it? And did you know that you're so valuable to God? Now, you're not valuable to God because of how smart you are or how beautiful you are or how much money you have. Those are great things, but that's not really why you're valuable to God. You're valuable to God for the same reason that that coin was valuable to that woman. Do you know what was imprinted on the face of that coin? imprinted on the face of that coin was the image of the king 
And did you know that imprinted upon every human being on the face of this planet, there are 8 billion people on planet Earth. And you say, Scott, how could God know me, man? I'm just a teenager. I'm just a, a, a housewife. Or I'm just a day laborer. How could God know me? Listen, man, God knows every hair on your head. He knows everything about you. He knows every heartbreak you've ever had. He's seen you from the moment of conception. God loves you and you're important to him because you bear his image. Don't you understand that you are created in the very image of God? And you were so important to God that he was willing to pay the ultimate price. You know how important you are to God? You were so important to God that God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, who left heaven and came to this earth. And somebody asked Jesus one time, why did you come? And he said, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. Just like the shepherd went after the sheep. Just like the woman went after the coin. Just like the father was looking for both of his sons. God loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you you and you are of inestimable value and importance to God you know what the Bible says the Bible says what would it profit a man if he could gain the whole world and yet lose his own soul the thing that's most important to you is not the way you look or most important about you is not the way you look or how much money you have the most important thing about you man is that you're created in the image of a God who is eternal and that means you're eternal and you have an eternal soul you know what Jesus said he he said you could take all the diamonds and all the silver and all the gold and all the oil and all the land and all the money that's ever been printed throughout the history of mankind and put it on that side of the room and you could take a prostitute or a little eight-year-old girl or some kid teenager that's mixed up and put him or her on that side of the room and Jesus said that side of the room is more important than that side of the room because you are important and you're valuable to God. You say, Scott, I, I don't like the way I look. I'm too short or I'm too tall or I'm too skinny or I'm too fat. I don't like the way I look. Listen, man, you are created in the image of God and he loves you and he cares about you. You know, scientists, I read not long ago an article in a scientific magazine that said when science reduces our chemical parts, we're, we're just kind of like a block of protoplasm and some carbon and some oxygen, and the average person is worth a little less than $10. That's what naturalistic, materialistic science and evolution says you're, you're worth. But God says you're so important that I'm willing to give the blood of my son. That's how important you are. People are valuable. Let me give you the second thing Jesus is saying. He's also saying that people, listen, even though they're valuable, people are lost. They're lost. The sheep was lost and the coin was lost and the older son was lost and the younger son was lost. And you know, listen, every person here, no matter how important you are to God, the Bible says that we're all lost. There was this television show a number of years ago. It was one of the most popular shows out at the time. And the title of the show was just the word lost. Have you ever heard a more horrible word in the human vocabulary than the word lost? You ever been lost? You ever known the panic, what it was like to have wandered off or to have gone somewhere and couldn't find your way back home and to be lost? This story is about lost things. It's about a lost sheep, and the sheep was lost because of foolishness. The sheep, listen, the sheep never intended to be lost. 
but the sheep wasn't paying any attention. If you know anything about sheep in the Bible, you know that they're pictured as dumb and defenseless and directionless. And so one day that sheep, instead of hanging out with all the other sheep and grazing where they always graze and following the shepherd, the sheep just looked up and saw some greener grass and began to wander off. And pretty soon a day and then two days and then three days and the sheep was completely and totally lost because of foolishness. Did you know there are people here tonight and you're lost because of foolishness? It's not that you intended to be lost. You never intended to be lost. Listen, man, I never meant to be a drug addict. I never meant to be a teenage alcoholic. I never meant to have a felony record by the time I was 17 years old. I didn't plan that, man. I just started running with the wrong crowd. And the things of the world looked so good. And the devil deceived me. Listen, man, all the devil's big, bright, red, shiny apples are filled with rotten worms, man. And when the devil gets through with you, he'll take you further than you ever thought you'd go and keep you longer than you ever thought you'd stay and make you pay more than you ever thought you'd pay. I've been on the streets of Dallas, man, witnessing to homeless people, and it's amazing to hear their stories. You know, many of them grew up in good homes. I talked to a man one time whose dad was a doctor. His mom was a school teacher. He grew up in a very affluent home in Dallas. Listen, but as a teenager, man, he started running with the wrong crowd, going to the wrong places. He knew that it was wrong, but the things of the world got so alluring to him, and then the devil got such a hold on him. Then 30 years later, he was shoving needles in his arms. He never meant to be lost, but he was lost because of his own foolishness. And then the coin was lost because of carelessness. Instead of treating that headband, that dowry, like something that was precious and folding it after those important engagements where the lady would wear the headband and folding it up and putting it in its proper place, one day she became careless with that headband and she folded it up and just pitched it over to the side. And the next time she went to wear it, she noticed that one of the important coins was lost. You know, all of us are created in the image of God, but listen to me, sin has defaced that image it hasn't erased that image it's kind of like a mirror that's been shattered you ever looked into a shattered mirror you can still make out your image and see yourself but it's distorted and shattered and that's what sin has done to all of us not only the sin our own personal sin but the sin of Adam and Eve that has affected all of us we're all born with Adam's and Eve's disease man the image of God in us is shattered. That's why people who write songs and poetry and the great artists of the world and the great hip-hop artists I listen to, you can hear the pain in their voice and you can hear the cry in their voice. They're trying to come to grips with the problems that plague inner-city youth and yet they can't come to the final answer because the image of God in them has been shattered and they're lost. Some people are lost because of foolishness. Some people are lost because of carelessness. You know there are people in this room right now Teenagers, listen to me. There are some of you in this room right now who are being careless with your soul. It's not that you don't believe what I'm saying is true. You know it's true. But some of you are saying, you know, man, I know that that's true, and I know I need to give my life to Christ, but I'm not ready yet. I'm going to wait. I'm going to live my life and do my thing. And then when I get older, then I'll find room in my life for God. And you're being very careless. You're saying, I'll do it tomorrow. But did you know that the devil's biggest lie is tomorrow? 
I know people who've been saying tomorrow for 30 years and they're playing fast and loose with the most valuable thing they have, which is their eternal soul. That's why Jesus never said tomorrow is the day of salvation. He said today is the day of salvation. He never said come later. He said come now. Don't be loose. Don't play fast and loose. Listen, if God is speaking to you tonight, if you know that you're lost and you know if you died tonight you wouldn't, you're not ready to meet God and the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to you my God for Jesus Christ's sake come to Jesus tonight man don't spend another day lost the son, the younger son was lost because of his own willfulness you know what willfulness, you know what he did he said to his dad, I don't care about you I don't care about mom, I don't care about your rules, I'm not going to live here anymore, I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it give me what belongs to me, as far as I'm concerned dad, you're dead and I want my inheritance right now and he took his inheritance shot his dad the finger and went as far and as fast as his feet could carry him and it wasn't long before all this money was gone let me tell you something about the devil it starts out looking real good and then it gets real bad real fast and pretty soon you're doing things that you never would have thought that you would have ever done in your life there are young ladies in this room man because of your rebellious attitude towards your mom and dad you're starting to let boys do things with your body they have absolutely no business doing. Let me tell you something, young lady. If you date guys at all, and I'm not even sure that dating is such a great thing, man, at all. I got a 13-year-old daughter, and uh, she's the joy of my life. Her name's Madison, and I, you know, she's just grown up so fast, and she's so beautiful. And I was looking at her the other day, and I was thinking, you know, man, Madison's 13. She's going to be dating, you know, in about 15 or 20 years. I mean, she's going to be dating. And man, I, I, I've seen the results. Listen to me, girls. I've seen the results of girls who make bad choices with guys who know how to strum their heartstrings with all the right words and pull at their emotions. Girls, if you date guys, you ought to date guys who love Jesus Christ with all their heart, man. Matter of fact, girls, listen. You ought to take a big old Bible on every date that you ever go on. You know, one of those kind like grandma has on her, on her, on her, on her uh, table, coffee table. You know, the kind that weigh about 250 pounds and got pictures of naked angels. You know what I'm saying? I mean the big weightlifters edition. You got to have a wheelbarrow to haul it around. You ought to take a big old Bible on every date you ever go on. Put it right between you and your boyfriend. By the time that rascal climbs over Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he'll be too tired to mess with you. Amen? The younger son, listen to me. He said, I don't care what my mom and dad say. I don't care what they say about my life. I'm not going to listen to them anymore. And pretty soon, the beautiful clothes that he left home with, he had to pawn just to get enough, just to get some crumbs in his mouth so he could sustain his life. The beautiful signet ring that showed his mark of ownership, his family name, he had to pawn it just so he could get something to eat. And the custom-made shoes that he probably left his house with, he had to sell them. And when his money ran out, his friends ran out, and he found himself in the 
pig pen far away from everything that was good and right. He was lost because of his own willfulness and his own rebelliousness. And the older brother was lost. You know, the older brother was more lost than any of them in the story. Because he was always in the father's house. Reminds me of a lot, listen to me, of a lot of church people I know. Some of the meanest people I've ever met in my life go to church every single solitary Sunday. Amen? Not this church, but another church. Amen? I mean, Pastor Mike, I'm in about 46, last year, 47 churches in the United States. I was in 47 churches last year. And I love sinners, man. I mean, I, I love sinners because I wasn't raised in the church. I was raised in a bar, man. My mama was a bartender. She got pregnant with me when she was 15. So I wasn't raised in the church. And that because of that, I've always loved sinners. Church people make me nervous, amen. But I love sinners. And every church I go to, there's always usually somebody sitting. You know, they sit in the same seat. I mean, they've been sitting there for 30 years. It's You, you better move over, amen. It's usually about right here. Here. they've been sitting there for 30 years that's their seat if you try to see if you accidentally sit there i mean they will bite your head off in christian love you know what i'm talking about man i mean they got a face so long it looks like they could stand straight legged and lick buttermilk out of a gopher hole and never move an inch amen i mean just miserable always angry always mad at people the teenagers are too loud and i don't like what the pastor has to say and i don't think we're doing the right thing and every time i see somebody like that i want to say sister stand up and lead us in a word of criticism amen i mean just mean mean and did you know people like that are going to go to hell one day because they're in church and they're just like the older son They've been into the older son said, Dad, I've always been in your house. But he never had the daddy's heart. He was always hanging around the father's house. He was self-righteous. He thought he was better than other people. You see who Jesus is talking to? He's talking to the scabs and the parasites who think that because of the way they've lived their life that they're better than other people. And they judged other people. And they looked down on other people. And they thought, what are these whores? And what are these drunks? And what are these homosexuals? And what are all these people doing around him? Doesn't he know what kind of sinners they are? And Jesus knew exactly what kind of sinners they were. He said there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that comes to God than over 99 religious people who feel like they've got God all figured out. People are lost. Listen. But Jesus is also trying to tell us that people can be found. People are valuable. People are lost. But people can be found. No matter how lost they are, the sheep was lost, but the sheep got found. And the coin was lost, but the coin got found. And the younger son was in a pig pen, but he came to the point where he got up and he came home and he was found. People can be found, man. And when they come home, when people are found, there's great rejoicing on earth and in heaven. By the way, let me tell you, the key to having a church that is always on fire, that is always rejoicing and always full of the joy and the life of God is to be a church where what happened this weekend happens every single solitary weekend. Listen, man, it ought to happen every single solitary Sunday. 
There's no shortage on sinners in Texarkana, man. They are everywhere. And God did not put you here to be a country club with a steeple on top full of a bunch of religious people. God put you here to seek and to save that which is lost. Amen. Tommy got found. Tommy came home. Tommy was a homosexual prostitute downtown Fort Worth, Texas. And I told our church, I was a pastor of a church that started in a living room and in seven years grew to over a thousand people. And it was a church that was not made up of religious people. We called it a BMW church, black, Mexican, and white. Amen. It was a third black and a third Mexican and a third white and some Asian people, beautiful people of color. And our church was made up of former gangbangers and prostitutes because on our sign we put sinners only, no religious people allowed. Amen. We also put dancers wanted, but that's a different story, amen? And so our church was a church where no matter what you'd done in your life, you felt loved and welcomed and wanted and accepted. And Tommy was a, was a male prostitute. I told our church, we're not just going to talk about reaching the lost. We're going to go get the lost. So we got a bus and we started running it downtown Fort Worth where all the homeless people are and all the people who are lost and most churches, let's be honest, most churches don't care about those people. I said, we're going to care about them. So we started running a bus and we would pick up everybody that would ride the bus. We'd love them and feed them a meal and take care of them and try to bless them. And one of our guys went up to Tommy said, Tommy, come on, man, get on the bus. You've been watching the bus leave. A lot of your friends are on the bus and here's what Tommy said. He said, oh, man, you don't know. You don't know the kind of life I'm living. And my friend said, man, I know exactly the kind of life you're living, Tommy. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus loves you and that you're important to Jesus. So Tommy got on the bus. When he came to our church, he didn't see rejection, scribes, and Pharisees. He didn't see religious people. He, he saw people with their arms open and wrapped around him and saying, Tommy, we love you. And it didn't take many Sundays. The third Sunday, Tommy came. He came and gave his life to Jesus Christ. His life began to change. Our church rented an apartment for Tommy and filled it with furniture. One of the men in our church hired Tommy to work for him. And to this day, Tommy is serving Jesus. He's the chairman of of the ushers at that church and his whole life has been changed. Tommy came home. Tommy came home. Servando came home. I picked up the newspaper in Arlington one day and I read about this young man by the name of Servando that was a notorious gang leader of the 18th Street Gang in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. And I saw in the article how while standing at a urinal in a, in a bar in, in Arlington, in that area, a rival gang member came up behind him with a butcher knife, had a hit out on him, and shoved it through his head. And somehow this young man, Servando, had managed to survive that attack. And he was in the hospital and finally released and the Holy Spirit said to me go find Servando he's ready to be saved well I didn't know Servando and I didn't know where he lived but I started asking around listen our church man many Monday mornings we would find boxes full of guns and dope on the front porch of the church because gang leaders were repenting and coming to Christ and so I started asking these young men man do you know Servando and they said you don't want to go to Servando Servando is a dangerous guy and I said Jesus told me to go see Servando and so I took one of our soul winners and we found out where Servando lived it was a little hovel of a house his mom was Mexican she was from Mexico she didn't even speak any English 
and I went and knocked on the door. She came to the door. She, I said, I've come to pray for Servando. She thought I was a priest. She said, come in, Father. I said, God bless you, my child. And I walked right in. And Servando got saved. Two weeks later, Servando got baptized. The Fort Worth Star Telegram heard about it and showed up to take a picture of Servando, put it on the front page of the newspaper, did an entire article on our church because we were reaching the people that nobody else wanted. Listen, lost can be found. Amen. The lost can be found. So all my ministry, I've always loved sinners. And I've never had a problem loving sinners and accepting people. I think the most beautiful thing tonight was to see all these adults come to Christ and have their whole life. And if we could listen to their stories, I know that we'd hear a story one after another of brokenness and feelings of hopelessness and feeling like nobody loved them until Jesus came and now they're our brothers and sisters. Amen. Welcome them and love them. Welcome them and love them. I've never had any problem loving sinners. And I walked out of that jail cell 35 years ago. My one passion in life was to tell everybody Jesus loved them. So revival broke out at our high school and then doors began to open because I was an athlete. I began to speak at one FCA after another and Dr. Criswell, W.A. Criswell, First Baptist Church Dallas found out about our ministry and he put me on staff just to reach the lost and then that began to open doors for me to travel in the 80s as a Southern Baptist evangelist preaching at the largest Southern Baptist churches in America and then God began to open up doors for me to preach in football stadiums and in every major gathering of my denomination including the Southern Baptist Convention. I was traveling and I was preaching in Oklahoma as a single young evangelist. And I looked over on the piano and there was this beautiful, dark-headed, beautiful girl. I found out she was a senior at OBU and I saw her, man, the spirit of hubba hubba came on me, amen. I said, I'm going to marry her. Six months later, we were married. She grew up in a Baptist preacher's home. Her brother's a pastor. Her sister's married to a pastor. Her daddy is a pastor. They've always loved God. And we got married and started traveling. The Southern Baptist Convention called me the next Billy Graham. This is the evangelist of the future. Doors were opening for me. I loved lost people. I'd stand in football stadiums and say, man, come to Jesus. And I saw tens and thousands of teenagers come to Christ, man, out of drugs and alcohol, out of everything you could imagine. And they would come to Jesus. And I always loved sinners and never had a problem loving any sinners except for one. When my mama was 19 years old, she started running a bar. She got pregnant when I was 15. I never knew anything about Jesus. My parents didn't take me to church. You ought to thank God, man, if you've got a mom and dad who love you and bring you to church. You ought to thank God for that, man. I didn't grow up like that. As a young boy, I was exposed to things that nobody should ever have to be exposed to. My dad was a truck driver. He was never home. I loved my mama with all my heart. My mama was one of the most beautiful women that I've ever seen in my life. She looked like a movie star. If my mama walked through those doors, every head was turned. She was full of charisma and full of beauty. She was outstanding. But my mama had an alcohol problem. And I'd wait up sometimes as a little seven, eight-year-old boy 
waiting for my mama to come through the door because I love my mom and I didn't get to see her very much. And so it'd be one or two o'clock in the morning and my mom would come through the door. I'd wait up or I'd wake up watching television and I'd run to the front door and throw my arms around my mama's waist and say, Mama, I love you. And I'd hear the slur in my mama's voice and smell the alcohol in her breath. And she'd say, Scotty, I love you too. You go on to bed now, son. And I'd look behind me and I'd see a man that I knew wasn't my daddy. That's the way I grew up. Seeing my mama with one man after another after another, I'd be driving my bicycle, riding my bicycle out in front of the very tough neighborhood that I grew up in, and some older kids would come and push me down and say, your mama's a whore. I saw your mom with this man or that man. That's the way I grew up, man. It's the way I grew up. And after I started getting older, I started getting angry at my mom because my mom was on her third or fourth husband. I never saw my dad. I never got to know my dad. No kid ought to grow up in a home like that. And I started getting very angry and very bitter and started having a hatred toward my mama. Listen to me, that did not go away even after I got saved. My wife and I got married. I made a vow. I'll never marry anybody like my mama. And I married somebody just the opposite of my mom. I loved my wife's family. They had it together. They were religious people. They loved Jesus and they preached the gospel and their family was intact. And so I was so drawn to them because I needed their affirmation. I didn't grow up with any kind of a blessing or any kind of a, a good self-image. That's why I did all the junk that I did, man, because I was looking for approval. And they gave me that approval that I so needed. And so I soon began to distance myself from my own mom because of the lifestyle that she lived, because of the things she'd done. I was embarrassed of my mom I was ashamed of my mom my wife and I'd be in a crusade the phone would ring at three o'clock in the morning I'd answer the phone it'd be my mom I could hear the slur in her voice as she said I know my life is not right and I've embarrassed you and your sisters I have two half sisters neither one of them ever knew their daddy she said I've made so many bad choices son I don't feel like my life is worth living I'm just going to kill myself and after hearing that week after week after week after week I got so hard and so callous that I finally said well try not to make a mess mom and I slammed down the phone and I never wanted to talk to my mom I never wanted to see my mom. I avoided my mom. The very sound of my mother's name or her voice made me nauseous. Listen to me. I was a big shot Southern Baptist preacher. Everybody knew my name. I worked for Dr. Billy Graham in the late 80s. Everybody said, this is the rising star. This is the man. But I had become a scab and a parasite and a hypocrite. I didn't even love my own mom. One Sunday I was preaching. And I started giving the invitation, and in the back of the room, a little teenage girl pushed her way out and began to come forward. She was a beautiful little girl. As she walked forward, we made eye contact, and I saw that she was pregnant, already beginning to show, and obviously not married. She was probably 15 years old, and I started weeping. I said, just come to Jesus. He loves you. It doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus loves you. And the Holy Spirit of God spoke to my heart and said, Scott, that's your mama. That's your mama. That's just like your mama. And the Spirit of God right there in that very moment said, Son, why is it that you can have such compassion and such mercy and such tenderness and such openness to every sinner imaginable, but you can't even love your own mom? The Spirit of God said to me, Son, if you don't get this thing right, if you don't forgive your mama, I'm going to take my hand off your life. And I'm not going to be able to use you like I want to use you. 
I fell at the altar that day. My heart was broken. I went home. I went right past my beautiful wife. I said, I got to get along with God. She said, what's wrong, honey? I said, God has broken my heart. I went into a prayer closet and spent the afternoon there. And God's spirit of God began to deal with me. And I picked up the phone. Listen to me. I called my mom. My mama was always so proud of me. My mom was married to her fourth husband not far from here in Shreveport, Louisiana. They had a restaurant that was really a bar, and my mom would always tell the girls that worked for her, she would say, my, my life is not right. Y'all know my life is not right. But she'd say, but I have a son, and he's a good man. And he's got a beautiful wife, and they serve God. They love God, and I know I'm not right, but my son loves Jesus, and he has a little girl named Sarah, and I'm so proud of my son. And when my mom answered the phone, I could tell she was so happy to hear my voice because I came to the point where I never even called my mom. I just tell my wife, call and check on mom and send her some money just to soothe my own guilty conscience because I knew my heart wasn't right toward my mom. My mom answered the phone and I began to weep when I heard her voice. She said, son, what's wrong? Is everything okay? I haven't talked to you in such a long time. And I said, mom, I need to come see you. She said, are you going to bring Gina? I haven't seen you all. I didn't get to see you at Christmas. Are you going to bring Sarah? I want to see Sarah. And I said, not this time, mom. It's just going to be me. I got my car early the next morning, got out on I-20, started going east from Dallas, Texas to Shreveport, took Uri Avenue, Line Avenue, went all the way down where there was a Shoney's there at the corner of Line and Uri, and there was my mama. She had gotten there early and reserved us a booth. She was so excited to see me, and she had two cups of coffee. And when I went in, there were the cups of coffee, and my mom sitting in that booth, and I sat down, and for the first time in my life, I saw my mama the way Jesus sees my mama. And I started weeping. I said, Mom, I've come to apologize to you because I haven't loved you like Jesus loves you. I've been such a hypocrite. I've been such a Pharisee. I've been so full of self-righteousness and so judgmental towards you. I can love everybody else, but I haven't loved you. And I want you to forgive me. And my mom started crying and she told me a story. She said, son, I know I've made a mess of my life, and my, my life isn't a mess. She was in a very physically abusive relationship with a man much older than her. She said, I've never told you this, but when I was 12 years old, listen to me. Your grandfather, my, my grandparents were what they call white trash, bar flies. They let their kids raise themselves. They would be gone for weeks at a time. My grandfather was a very talented carpenter, but he never had a dime because he drank it all up. My mama grew up literally in a barn, literally in a barn behind her grandparents' house that they tried to make into a house, but it was nothing but a barn. My mama made it to the eighth grade. She wouldn't have made it that far if it hadn't have been for a godly bus driver who would pull up the dirt road out in Petrolia, Texas and walk all the way down to the barn and walk in because there was no latch on the door. And she would wake up. He would wake up my mama who was eight, seven, eight, nine years old and say, Gail, wake up. You wake up Jimmy and wake up Eddie and wake up Phyllis. I don't want you all to miss school again. My mama wouldn't have made it to the eighth grade. If it hadn't have been for that man, when my mom was seven, eight years old, she was already cooking breakfast and lunch and dinner for her siblings because her parents were never there. 
And she said, son, one evening your grandfather came home and he had been drinking with his construction crew. And they came into our house. She said, I was 12 years old at the time. And she said, my father looked at his construction crew and looked at me and they were all drunk. And my father said, if you want to have sex, there's my daughter. You can have sex with her. Let me tell you something. Don't you ever judge anybody until you know where they've been in their life. Don't you ever pass by these kids and say, look at those kids. They're all tatted up and they got all these face piercings and their pants are hanging down. And you judge them and think you're better than them and more sin. You look at these people who have drug problems and all these problems and somehow think that you're, listen man, there is nobody in this room that's any better than anybody else. We're all just a bunch of dirt held together with some moisture. And if it wasn't for the grace of God, we'd all be in hell. Nobody is any better than anybody else. My mom said, those men hurt me, and they took my innocence. And she said, from that day to this day, the only way I've ever known how to relate to a man is to give that man my body. And she said, I know I've made so many bad choices. And then she said, son, sometimes I wonder if God even loves me, and if Jesus even loves me, and if there's any hope for me. And I began to weep. I took my mama by the hand right there at Shoney's. I said, mom, you're not the problem. I've been the problem. God loves you as much as he loves anybody else. Jesus died for you. He loves you. He thinks you're wonderful and he shed his blood for you and you would have been saved a long time ago if it hadn't been for me I've been the stumbling block I've been the hypocrite I've been the scribe I've been the Pharisee I've been the self-righteous one and I said mom would you want to give your life to Jesus and she started crying and I took my mama by the hand and heard her cry out to God for his mercy and his forgiveness and my mom's life began from that day on to completely and totally changed by the grace of God. My mom, listen to this, man. My mom became the greatest evangelist that I've ever known in my life and the greatest Christian that my kids have ever known. So full of love and kindness and compassion, my mom left the abusive relationship she was in and she moved over to the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex where Gene and I had started that church that I was telling you about. And my mom never, listen to this, man, she wasn't like most of you. Most of you, today was friend day. And your pastor's been saying, bring your lost friends, bring your lost friends. And you didn't bring anybody because you don't care about the lost. Because you think you're better than the lost and you don't want to be around them because they say bad words words and they do bad things and they listen to bad music listen man you're the only hope they'll ever have if you don't reach them how in God's name will they ever have a chance my mom wouldn't like some of you scribes and Pharisees my mama never came to church by herself my mama would always bring some with me we started a church and my mom would come she'd sit right over here and she would bring row after row after row of the craziest looking most messed up looking people that you have ever seen in your life 
Then she'd come up to me before church and she'd say, son, 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 don't look over there. But son, see that lady over there? I, I brought her today and I know that she looks messed up and she looks hard. And son, she's like I used to be. She's an alcoholic and she's been married many times and I know she smells like cigarettes, but son, I finally got her to come and she doesn't think God loves her and she's so lost. And so son, when you preach today, be nice and talk about the love of God. Amen. And and I told her and see that guy next to her, he's homosexual. You know why gays don't come to our churches? Because they know we don't want them in our churches. She'd say, son, that guy, he's a homosexual and he doesn't think God loves him and he doesn't think the church wants him. But I told him you're a different kind of preacher and this is a different kind of church and then it'd be welcome here. And see that guy sitting next to him. I know he's all tatted up and he's got face piercings and I know that he looks rough but he's the maintenance man at our apartment complex and I finally got him to come so son tell him about Jesus and week after week after week I saw my mama take one person after another by the hand and bring them to Jesus you know why because the one who has been forgiven much is the one who loves Jesus much amen 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 <laughs> Woo! praise God I was sitting in my office one day at the university where I was serving as the dean and professor of theology and evangelism. My phone rang and it was my wife. And she said, honey, if you want to see mom, you better hurry up and come. I don't think she's got long. You see, six years before, about a year after my mama got saved, she went to the doctor one day because she wasn't feeling well. The doctor ran some tests and then called us in as a family. And I was there when the doctor looked at my beautiful mama and said, Miss Gail, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you've got cancer. And it's the bad kind. And I'm afraid that outside of a miracle, there's no hope for you really to live very much longer. My mama looked at the doctor and smiled. And said, well, that's okay, doctor, because I know Jesus and I'm going to be okay. Doctor, do you know Jesus? I was right there when my mom said that. That's how my mom rolled, man. Her whole life changed. And over the next six years, I watched my beautiful mama. Movie star looks, hair as black as a raven's wing. All of her hair fell out because of chemotherapy and radiation. And my mom, who had such a beautiful countenance and such a, a dynamic personality, she worked at Macy's. She was a cosmetic lady, and people were just drawn to her because of her beauty, and she always told them about how Christ had changed her life. And over the next five years, I saw my mom just begin to deteriorate. Until she couldn't walk by herself. She always had an oxygen mask on and an oxygen tank with her. But you know, my mama never lost her joy. And my mama never quit coming to church. Some of you don't come to church if it rains. My mama had cancer and never missed church. She had her seat and our deacons would bring her forward. And, and the, our deacons, one of them was the, the guy that was a former prostitute. And the other guy had so many face piercings that it looked like he fell face forward in a tackle. 
tackle box, man. I mean, he had a purple mohawk. He was our chairman of the deacons, amen. And he would bring my mama down, and they'd sit there with Miss Gail, and my mama would just cry and lift her hands to heaven. She just worshiped God. And so it was that my wife said, honey, you better come. And I got in my car and drove as fast as I could to the little place where my mama spent her final days. My mama died. She didn't have anything in terms of this world's goods, but she had everything because she had Jesus. And my mama loved God. She loved worship. Kent, my mama would love. She loved Kent and Laura Lee. She loved worship. My mama especially loved the song that we sing in all of our crusades. We've been singing it this weekend. Jesus is the answer for the world today. We sing that song because my mama loved that song so much. Because she had found the answer to life in Jesus. And Jesus had so radically changed her and forgiven her that she never got over it. And so my sisters were in the room and my wife and then the hospice lady who was crying more than any of us because you see Miss Gail had introduced her to Jesus and she loved Miss Gail. We stood around my mama's bed. My mama was in and out of consciousness and we held hands and began to fill that room with the praises of God. My friend, I'm telling you, it was like God himself stepped out of heaven and came into that room as we began to sing, Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there's no other Jesus is the way. And I looked over at my mama and she was moving her lips and trying to sing and then... When my mama opened her eyes, she saw Jesus. My mama, listen, my, my alcoholic, adulterous mama is in heaven right now. She's in the same heaven as Jesus' mother, Mary. She's in the same heaven as Dr. Billy Graham's wife, Ruth. She's in the same heaven as my mother-in-law, who as far as I know never sinned one time in her whole life. My mama is in the same heaven, not because my mama was good, but because God is good. Not because of what my mama did, but because of what Jesus did. Because no matter how lost you are, no matter how far away from God you are, you can come home. A little boy was lost on the streets of London, England, and he got separated from his mom and dad. And soon the sun began to go down and the streets began to empty out of people and the chill was in the air and the little boy was lost and he was hovering and shivering over in the corner of a street when a English police officer happened his way. He looked at the little boy and said to the little tyke, he said, son, are you lost? And the little boy crying said, yes, sir, I'm lost. He said, son, where do you live? And the little boy said, I don't know. I don't know my address. And the officer said, well, is there anything close to your house? Is there any kind of a place that you could recognize so that you could get home? And the little boy's eyes lit up and he said, yes, sir, by my house there's a church. And he said, on top of the church, there's a cross. And he said, mister, if you can just take me to the cross, I'll find my way home. 
And I want to tell you tonight, no matter how lost you are and how far away from God you are, if you'll just come to the cross tonight where Jesus shed his blood, was spit upon, was disfigured, suspended between heaven and earth as though rejected by both dying your death and then he rose from the dead and he's alive. And if you'll come to him tonight, you'll find your way home. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed all over this place. Nobody's looking around. Please don't talk to anyone, distract anyone, bother anyone. Don't do anything that would disturb anybody sitting around you. I want to ask you a question tonight. How many of you can say with a clear conscience, Scott, there's no doubt about it. I'm home. I've found my way home. I've come to Jesus. I know my sins are forgiven. I believe Jesus is the Son of God, that He died for me on the cross, that He rose from the dead, and I don't think I'm saved. I don't hope I'm saved. I know I'm saved. If I were to die tonight, I'd be in the same heaven with your mama. Not because I'm good but because Jesus is good, not because of what I've done, but because of what God has done for me, I know I'm saved. I've come home. If that's your testimony, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're saved. If that's your testimony, you can say it with a clear conscience. I want you to lift your hand up high in the air and hold it there for a moment. I know that I'm saved. Thank God. Matter of fact, lift both hands up in the air and just say, thank you, Jesus. Just say it right now. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. I was so lost. I like that old song that says, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Thank you, Jesus, for your amazing grace. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that you're the answer. Thank you for saving me and redeeming me and cleansing me and changing me. Thank you, Jesus. I can never say it enough. Thank you, Lord. And then I want you to begin to pray right now as you lower your hands for people all around you who could not lift their hand. They don't know the Lord. They're lost. Just as lost as a sheep or as lost as a coin, as lost as a son. But I want to tell you tonight, man, you can come home. You can come home because you're valuable to God and Jesus loved you so much that he shed his red blood for you. Every drop of blood that fell from his sinless body and soaked into the ground that he created with his own word screaming out to you tonight, this is how valuable you are. This is how important you are. If you'll just come to the cross tonight, and say, Jesus, I need you. I, I need you. It's not hard, man. Don't make it harder than it is. Sitting in a jail cell 35 years ago, man, I didn't know anything about the Bible. I didn't know anything about God. All I knew, I was lost, man. I knew I was lost, and somebody told me that Jesus died for me and rose from the dead, and the best I could, I just cried out to him, God, save me, and my whole life changed, man. My whole life changed. And your life can change tonight. No matter how lost you are, no matter how far away from God you are, Jesus has his arms wide open and he's saying to you, just come home. Just come home. Just come home. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that tonight. Those of you who could not lift your hands sitting way back in the back or in the middle or on the sides or up front, wherever you are, whoever you are, I want to give you an opportunity to come home. Young person, don't you want to come home? Aren't you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Man, aren't you sick and tired of the dead-end street that you're on? You know, if you could know 
what it is to know Jesus. If I could take Jesus out of my heart and just put him in your heart just for five minutes, you could see what a wonderful thing it is, man. He's not going to rip you off, man. He loves you. He shed his blood for you, man. He's just saying, come home. Just come home. So in a moment, I'm going to voice a prayer for everybody in the room who needs to come home. And I'm going to ask you to pray that simple prayer with me. I'm going to ask you to do what I did in a jail cell, what my mama did at a booth at Shoney's. What over 150, 60 people have done this weekend. I'm going to ask you just to open up your heart and say yes to Christ and just come home. And so we're going to voice a prayer, and I want you to pray this prayer with me. Matter of fact, I want everybody in the room to pray this prayer because I think the sound of your voice will be an encouragement to the person sitting around you who does not know God. And I want to ask you, man, don't be afraid of Jesus. You say, Scott, will God rip me off? I mean, will I lose control? Listen, man, Jesus has never ripped anybody off. He loves you, man. Just open up your heart. And say yes to him tonight. And I want all of us to pray this prayer from our heart all over this room to say yes to Jesus. I'm coming home. You ready? Let's say it out loud together. All of us, but many of you for the first time. I'm coming home. You ready? Just say, oh God, I've wandered so far from you. I've lost my way. God, I need you. And I thank you that you love me even though I'm a sinner, and that you proved your love by sending your son Jesus to die on the cross to pay for my sin. And I thank you that he rose from the dead and that he's alive tonight. And Jesus, the best I know how, I'm coming home. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. And I want to live for you. And I want to love you. And I want to serve you. And I really mean it. Come into my heart, Jesus. Save me. Forgive me. Change me. Make me a new person. And I really mean it. In Jesus' name. And if you prayed that prayer with me tonight and you meant business, I want you to look up at me right now. If you prayed with me just now and you meant business and tonight what you're saying, listen, heads are looking up all over the place. What you're saying is, tonight I'm coming home. Tonight I'm coming home. And I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. All over this room, way back there and way here and way here and all over this room, people are looking up. And here's what you're saying. Listen to me. Watch. You're saying, I'm coming home and I'm not ashamed and I want Jesus Christ in my life and I want to follow him. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to do what we've seen almost 200 people do this weekend and what I've seen over 100,000 people do all over the world in the last 30 plus years of my life. I'm going to ask you not to be ashamed of Jesus. I'm going to ask you and you and you and you way back there and all of you guys and back there and over here and whoever you are. I'm going to ask you to take a stand for Jesus and don't be ashamed because he's not ashamed of you. So don't you be ashamed of him. I'm going to ask you to do what many of your friends have already done this weekend. Just take a stand for Christ. So in a moment, I'm going to ask you to get up out of your seat 
and I'm going to ask you to come stand right here along with all of our counselors and all of our altar workers. I want you just to come and welcome these people home. Just welcome them home to the family of God. So every young man, every young lady, every man and woman in this place who's looking up at me to say, I want to come home, I want you to get up right now and just come stand right down here. Come on, right now. Just come on. Come home. Come home. Just come home. Let's all stand together and let's sing this song tonight. Jesus is the answer. Just come home. Just come on home. God bless you come on Jesus is the way Jesus is the answer for the world today above it there's no other just come on just come on come on come on come on come on to Jesus sing it Jesus is the answer for the world today Above it there's no other Jesus is the way Jesus is the answer For the world today Above it there's no other Jesus is the way In a minute, first of all, let's throw a party right now for these folks who have come home. Amen. Come on. In a minute, you might need to turn to somebody and take them by the hand out there and say, don't you want to come home? But I feel like there's a group of people here tonight that I want to pray for. So I want us very reverently and very quietly to bow our head and close our eyes. And if you've come to come home tonight, why don't you just begin to say to the Lord in your heart or out loud, Jesus, I love you. Just begin to tell him that. Don't you know when that boy came home and he was—he had his speech all prepared. He was going to tell his dad, just let me live out back, man. I've blown it. I can't even be your son. And don't you know when his daddy wrapped his arms around him and said, hey, he doesn't have his shoes anymore. Get this boy some shoes. He doesn't have his robe anymore. Get him a robe. He lost his ring. Pawned it. Get him a ring. He still belongs to me. Don't you know that son wrapped his arms around that daddy and said, Dad, I'm so sorry, Dad. I love you, Dad. I'll never leave you. Why don't you begin to say that tonight? Just lift your hands to the Lord and say, Daddy, I love you. Father, I love you. Jesus, I love you. If you've come tonight, just do that. But I want to pray for those of you who may be like me, maybe somebody that was very important in your life hurt you deeply. Matter of fact, how many of you tonight out there say, Scott, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. You know, my mom was like one-third of the women in America today. She had been sexually abused and molested as a, as a little girl. Maybe that's you tonight. Maybe your husband left you, or your wife left you, or somebody has hurt you. I talked to a young man today after the service. He said, my wife committed adultery. She ran off with my best friend. He started weeping. He said, man, I'm just so hurt. I need to forgive her. I know I do. Is there anybody in this house who has been hurt deeply? Is that you? Can I see your hand in the air? Can I see? Come on, let's just be honest, man. All over this room. I want to tell you tonight, man, God wants to set you free from that pain that you've been carrying. And you know, my whole life changed. I was an angry preacher. I used to get up and just skin people alive because I was so angry. It was all coming from the anger that I experienced and the hurt as a little boy. 
And I got set free from that when I made a decision by faith to forgive my mom. It changed my whole life. It wasn't long after that that I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And my whole life and ministry began to change. God took me in other directions. I began to see people sick that were healed. And I began to see people get set free. It all started the day I made a decision. I'm going to forgive my mama. And I'm wondering how many of you tonight need to forgive somebody. If that's you, I want you to leave your seat where you're standing. And I want you to come down here right now. Let's make some room. Just come on right now. If you're here and somebody's hurt you and you need to forgive them, you come right now. Just come on. Just come on. Dozens and dozens of people. Just come on. Jesus is the way. Just come on. Jesus is the answer for the world today man that takes courage but come on him, there's no other jesus is the way come on kent sing it jesus jesus is the answer for the world today above him there's no other jesus is the way Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. I want you to look this way for just a moment. By the way, if God has helped you forgive somebody, would you help me pray for these people? If God has helped you forgive somebody, leave your seat and come and lay your hands on some of these folks and just begin to pray and minister to them in just a minute. Just come on right now. If God's helped you forgive somebody, and I want everybody to look this way, listen to me. If we don't learn to forgive people, it doesn't hurt them. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. It doesn't affect them. It kills you. It was killing me to the point that God finally said, I'm going to take my hand off your life and I'm not going to be able to use you anymore if you don't forgive your mama. Listen to me. The church needs an F word. All right? The world has an F word. You know what I'm talking about. They talk about dropping F bombs. You can't even watch television hardly or go to a movie anymore without hearing the, wor the world's F word. You know what I'm talking about? Well, the church needs an F word. And we need to stop, we need to start dropping some F bombs of our own. And our F word is the word forgive you. Amen. Matter of fact, let's say it out loud. Say forgive you. Say it, would you? Say forgive you. Turn to three people and say forgive you. Turn to somebody and say F you. Amen. Text your ex-husband and say, I'm in church. F you. Amen. F you and F you and F all y'all. I forgive you in the name of Jesus. All the religious people just got mad. Amen. I don't even want to look over here at pastor. I'm, is, is he looking at me right now? Is he looking at me? I don't even want to go there. Amen. I'm glad John's not here. Amen. But I, listen to me. You got to forgive people. And you don't do it by feelings. Listen, some of you, your parents have ripped your guts out, man. Stomped on you. And there's no way that you're going to ever muster enough emotional feeling to be able to forgive them by feelings. We don't live by feelings. The just shall live by, say it, faith. The just shall forgive by 
You know how Jesus forgave us? He did it by faith. They were driving nails through his hands and spitting in his face and putting a spear in his side. And he said, Father, say it, forgive them. Forgive them. Because they don't even know what they're... My mama didn't know what she was doing, man. Your mom's not your problem. Your ex-husband... Listen, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against the devil. The devil has used people to hurt you. But if you carry that anger and that bitterness toward them, you'll never be free. You'll never get free. And I want you to be free. Because if you're not free, you can't love people and you can't open up your life. You, you know what? All the junk I've been through in my life, and man, I've been through hell. And all of the junk I've ever been through in my life has been used. God has used it to be able to help a lot of other people. But I had to make a choice. To forgive my mama and I'm asking you tonight to forgive your mom forgive your dad forgive somebody who abused you and used you and hurt you I had a lady that came up to me six months ago we were in a crusade she said a man murdered my daddy she said all these years man I've hated that she said man tonight I feel like God's helping me just to forgive him she said he's on death row and I'm going to write him a letter and I'm going to say I forgive you I'm going to tell him about Jesus and I'm going to tell him how Jesus died on the cross and you know what her face was her whole face was aglow with the glory of God because by faith she made a decision and a choice to forgive somebody that had hurt her very deeply Jesus forgave us he said, just as I've forgiven you, forgive others. And then he said this. He said, if you won't forgive people, then I really can't forgive you. So for your own sake, I'm asking you tonight by faith to let it go. The word forgive means let it go. Send it away. Send it away. Would you lift your hands up to the Lord tonight and just begin to say, Lord, I send it away. Say, I think it's important to say it out loud. Lord, I forgive. And then you put their name there. I forgive Bill. I forgive Mary. I forgive my ex-husband. I, I forgive my mom. I forgive my dad. I forgive my best friend who betrayed me. I forgive the people who made fun of me because of my race. I forgive the people who have hurt me and damaged me. Just forgive them right now. Just forgive them. Just forgive them, Lord. I pray for freedom to come into this place, Lord. God, I pray for healing to come. Listen, I believe many people could be physically healed tonight if you would just choose to forgive somebody. Just forgive them. Just forgive them. Just forgive them. I want Kent just to sing this song over us as we begin to lift our hands and let God heal our broken hearts. Come on. Just sing it. Healing, healing is, here. is here. Come on, man. If you've never worshipped God before, lift your hands in the air and just begin to sing. I healing is here. Receive it. Just receive it tonight. Come on, man. Press through. Healing is here. receive it and I receive it 
If you're sick and you want to be healed, I want you to come right now. Just I'll come on right now. Just come on. I want you to come and stand right here. Press through. If you're sick, you come right here. Just come right here. Here's this beautiful lady. Here's this handsome young man. Come on, buddy. Just come on. Just come on. Here's my brother right here. Just come on. If you need healing, you come right now. I trust in you. Then I need some people to come and begin to just stand with these people for their healing. Just come on. We're going to lay hands on them. But you stand with them and ask God to touch their life. I lift my eyes where my help comes from. I look to you, my rock and my healer. I trust in you. Come on, I reach my hands to the heaven. I reach my hands to the heaven. I lift my eyes where my help comes from. I look to you, my rock and my healer. I trust in you. Can't hold on just a minute. I want everybody that's struggling with drugs and alcohol to come stand right here. Come on, right now, just be honest. You're safe. Nobody's going to judge you. My God, you're, you're love. Come on, just come stand right here. If you're struggling with drugs and alcohol, just come on. Yeah, man, come on. It takes a lot of courage. Just come on. Just come on. Now listen, if God has set you free from drugs and alcohol, I want you to come and stand around these folks and begin to intercede for them right now. There's a lot of us, a lot of friends of Bill W's have been set free. Somebody asked me, are you a friend of Bill W's? I said, I'm a friend of JC's. Amen. He set me free. Just come on. Come on and minister. Lay hands on people. Freedom is here. Yeah. I believe it. Freedom is here. Freedom is here. All right, here, right now. Freedom is here. Freedom is here. Freedom is here. And I receive it. If your mom and dad have struggled with drugs and alcohol, my mom was an alcoholic, my grandfather was an alcoholic, his dad was an it went all the way back. And it just came right down to me. But God stopped it with me. I got a daughter just graduated from Bible college. You met my sons, already called the ministry. I got another son who loves the marginalized and stands up for the underdogs. My little girl Maddie was just on TBN with me telling the whole world about what Jesus has done in her life. It stopped with me. It can stop with you can stop with you if your mom and dad have struggled with drugs and alcohol and you want it to stop with you I want you to come right here right now just come right here if your mom and dad have struggled with drugs and alcohol and you want it to stop you come right here just come on just come on right now you say my mom's got a drug problem my dad's got a drug problem an alcohol problem and I want it to stop it's not gonna go any further 
Just come on, stand. Thank God. Amen. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Now I want you, some of you kids, just to come and gather around these folks right now. Lay hands on them. They won't mind. You say, well, I'm a brand new Christian. I just got saved. That's all right. That's the best person to lay hands on somebody else. If you can't touch them, touch somebody who's touching them. And let's just stand for the freedom. Let's stand for freedom for them. In Jesus' name, we break that generational curse off of alcohol and drug abuse, and we say free. We proclaim freedom, Lord. Freedom to those and healing to those who are sick and freedom to those who are drug addicted and and salvation to those who are lost. God, thank you for what Jesus has done. The lost can be found in Jesus' name. Come on, lift your hands, church, and sing it. Freedom is here. Freedom is here. And I receive it. Come on, lift your hands high and say, Freedom is here. Freedom is here. Who that the sun sets free is free day. Freedom is here. Freedom is here. Freedom is here. I believe it. Come on, I'll lift my hands. I'll reach my hands to the heavens. I'll reach my hands to the heavens. I lift my eyes where my help comes from. Jesus, I look to you, my rock and my healer. I trust in you. Come on, all across this place. I reach my hands to heaven. I reach my hands to the heaven. I lift my eyes where my help comes from. I look to I trust in you. Now, church, here's what I want to do. I want to pray for the whole church. I know that pastor is taking some very well-deserved time away to just be replenished so he can come back, do finish well. But just because pastor's gone, man, Jesus isn't gone. Amen. He's right here, and this is his house. Listen to me. I believe you can see more people saved. I believe you can have experience revival because it's not about a personality. It's about God's people just saying, we want to get on board with where God, the heart of Jesus is for the lost. There's no reason why every Sunday can't be friend day. There's no reason why every Sunday you can't have 100 people come to Jesus. There's no reason. Listen to me. This city is lost. And Jesus is weeping over it. Last year, 600,000 teenagers tried to blow their brains out, slit their wrist, OD on some kind of drug or narcotic. Last year, 1.2 million teenage girls got pregnant and over a million teenage girls had an abortion. Last year, a million kids ran away from home. We have 1.1 million teenage alcoholics. Every problem that's in Dallas is right here in Texarkana. Every problem, racism. Every problem in Ferguson, Missouri is right here in Texarkana. 
And God wants to raise this church up. If you're not going to do it, my God, who in heaven is? This church is the church to do it. You got the resources. You got the people. You got the DNA. You got the leadership. Rise up, church, and shake the gates of hell. Rise up and make it hard. Listen, make it hard. Rise up and make it hard for anybody at Texarkana High School to die and go to hell. Rise up and make it hard for anybody in this city to die without Jesus because somebody from Church on the Rock has been telling them about Jesus. Go tell, amen? I'm praying that we'll be so full of Jesus that when we leave this place tonight, if a mosquito bit you, he'd fly away singing there's power in the blood, amen? I mean on fire for God. So I want, to do, I want an impartation tonight. What God's given me as an evangelist, I want to give to you. A fresh passion for the lost. A renewed burden for the lost. Boldness. Holy Ghost boldness. The power of the Holy Spirit to reach people for Christ. A contagious Christianity that will go to your high school and kick the devil's butt right out of the high school. We were in a crusade in Duncan, Oklahoma, where hundreds of people came to know Christ. And there was one girl that brought about 50 of her friends to Christ. And I said to her, aren't you afraid of the peer pressure? She said, I am the peer pressure. Amen. She was full of God. That's what I'm praying for you tonight. Young people, go tell. I'm here right now because three teenage girls got a burden for my soul and they prayed for me and wept over me and they brought me to Jesus, man. And there's a lot of Scott camps at your high school. There's a lot of kids that look like they got it together on the outside, but on the inside they're dying. And you got to reach them, man. If you don't reach them, nobody will reach them. So I want to pray a prayer of impartation. You got a report tonight with the kids? This is tonight. Amen. Twelve kids upstairs gave their heart to Christ tonight. Isn't that great? And then many of you came. Many of you came to say yes to Christ, and we haven't forgotten about you. You came home. We want to pray for you in a minute, give you some material. So you just stay right there, and then we're going to escort you and give you a Bible and some material and talk to you about where do you go from here. Because when you come home, that's just the beginning. You got to learn how to live in, in daddy's house, in father's house. So we want to talk to you about that. But I want to pray for you as a church first. So I want everybody that's part of the church to lift your hands up high in the air and get ready. As my friend T.D. Jake says, get ready, get ready, get ready. Father, I pray for the church on the rock in Texarkana. Father, I pray for a, a revival. God, I prayed for a fresh passion for you and, God, a contagious love for you. Lord, I pray we'd leave this place tonight and we would just tell everybody about Jesus. I pray you'd give us Texarkana High School and the other high schools and these little towns around here, God, and the middle schools. And, God, I pray when we go to our businesses tomorrow and our neighborhoods and the grocery store and the gas station that we would see people the way you see people, as valuable and yet lost. And, Lord, we would bring them home. God, I pray hundreds and hundreds of people would come to Jesus and be baptized in this church this year. Let this just be the beginning and not the end, God. Do it. Pour it out. Pour it out, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, pour it out, Lord. 
pour it out. Receive it. Just say, Lord, I receive it. I receive it, Lord. I'll be a witness. Say that. I'll be a witness, Lord. I'll be a witness, Lord. Use me, Lord. Help me to bring the lost to you. Help me to be a witness, Lord. Fill me with the Holy Ghost. Give me compassion, Lord. Help me to have boldness. Help me not to let a day of my life go by where I don't tell at least one person how to go to heaven when they die. God, use me in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Thank you, Lord. Now, all those of you, all those of you who came home tonight, who came to give your life to Christ, let me see your hand. If you came home tonight, let me see your hand, all right? All right, we're scattered all over. Here's what I want you to do. Youth pastor, would you just lead us? I want everybody that with their hands lifted up to follow this handsome guy right here. And all of our altar workers, go. Just go as quickly as you can. Church, look this way for just a moment. Pastor Mike's going to come and close the service, but look this way. Say this out loud with me. Say scottcamp.org. That's our website. It has our schedule, all the places where we'll be. There are about 50 or 60 sermons that you can download for free. We're not trying to sell you anything or do anything. We just need some people to pray for our ministry to help us tell people about Jesus. We love you. It's been our great honor to get to be here. God bless you. I love you, church. Pastor Mike, God bless you. Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Just a reminder, let's invite, invite, invite these next two weeks coming into Easter. These cards are all over the church. It says, he died, I live. And just hand them out. It's easy to do. Get in the habit of doing that. You know, we had a poster down in Powerhouse. We've had up a long time. It says, revival. Why not here? Why not now? Why not us? Let's say that together. I'm going to say it and just, we'll just say it a few times. Say revival. Why not here? Why not now? Why not us? Let's say it all together now. Revival. Why not here? Why not now? Why not us? Amen? I mean, what is revival? A lot of definitions. I tell you, when people come to Jesus, lives get changed, families get changed, marriages get healed, people start forgiven, the culture of the town begins to change. I'm telling you, that's revival. For those of you that are maybe new to our church, every Wednesday night, our young people, junior high and high school, they meet in Powerhouse. Bring your kids to church. I'm telling you, the children's ministry, I'm telling you, that's one of our most power evangelistic tools we have. The kids just begged their parents to come to church. If you've ever been upstairs, it's just amazing. Amazing program, an amazing building. But invite people, invite people, invite people. And the other thing is pray for our pastor. Amen. Pray for our city, pray for our pastor. And then pray for Scott Camp and their team as they go out all over the world. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Anything else we need to do tonight other than sing a song of celebration? Yes. Amen. Well, amen. Let's just sing a song of celebration. They're gonna, and if you didn't make it back to that cafe, our Connect Cafe, if you were up at the altar, they got some material. Make that walk back there because that little book will help you to stay strong and grow in Christ. Amen. Let's celebrate. Why don't we clap our hands to the Lord and give the Lord one more shout of praise for all he did this weekend. Amen.